This episode of the Buffalonian Podcast is brought to you by the Cas Source Podcast Network, a podcast network built with and for entrepreneurs. We cover many genres, including sports, business, mental health, marketing, and entertainment. Feature the podcast shows such as Sports Bring People Together, Limitless, Saviors of the Metaverse, and The Athletic Mindset. Learn more at cassource.com slash podcast. Without further ado, let's get into the Buffalonian Podcast. The Buffalo Bills have secured the two seed in the AFC. And the Sabres faltered a little bit in their past couple of games, hopefully looking on the up and up. Along with the Would You Rather, Hot Takes, Trivia, and more, this is the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. are back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Kelly and as always I'm joined by Dom Loss. Not as always. Mike Mike is in Vermont for the for the week. So we, it, it is just Dom and I on this wacky Wednesday here. A wacky so, Wednesday hump day. Yeah, a little hump day. Yeah, a little hump day action wacky Wednesday. But without further ado, the Bills are the two seed in the AFC. Not where we wanted to see them, but with the outstanding circumstances that happened and um in the Bengals game with DeMar Hamlin. And luckily he has been discharged from the hospital in Cincinnati. He is back in Buffalo, which is magnificent news. You got to love it. And um, we we've secured the two seed. The chiefs won. They have one more win than us, technically speaking, since that game is not going to be resumed. So they have the one seed bills are the two seed and the Bengals are the three seed. So it'll be, it, it's interesting. I mean, we're playing the dolphins Sunday, one Oh five PM. Everyone's like, why is that not a primetime game? I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think on that? I, I feel like. Well, I think, well, the two things going back to them being the two seed. I, I think that I think everything played out, you know, appropriately. You know, the Chiefs play an extra game than you. You know, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, you beat the Chiefs and you finish the same amount of losses. Sure. But at the end of the day, they play an extra game. They deserve to have you know, the one seed, but yeah, I mean, again, neutral site still available. Uh, obviously they, they try to get a lot of, uh, they asked around, I think Indianapolis said no, Detroit said no. I think one of them said they had like a circuit and it's not a circus. That was Detroit during the Browns game. There's some like random wacky con going on or something. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) apparently if someone reported last night, some chief insider said that it could potentially be Atlanta, you know, in a dome. So, I mean, I think as a Bills fan, you prefer playing in a dome just because, I mean, to see Allen Mahomes slinging around in a dome would be kind of sick. Yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah. yeah, and then uh, back to your you know original point about the not being a fine. I'm not really that upset about it. Yeah. I think there were better games on the slate. Um, and at the end of the day, I think this NFL doesn't want to have a primetime game with potential third-string quarterback versus the two-seed. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think they're trying to save face there. Obviously, the Bills are nine point favorites. I feel like Vegas must have some insight that Tua might not probably won't play. Everyone inside reporting seems like it's unlikely that he plays. So 
Mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, I think the prime time. I think if Tua would pl- if Tua was healthy, I think this would have been a prime time game for sure. For sure, but, but he's not. Matchups, so yeah. I, I I think I think they're trying to protect, you know, themselves. I mean, I think they would have had the prime time game over Chargers Jaguars. I can't even remember what. I gotta look really quickly. What's I know the Monday night ones, the Cowboys Bucks, which I thought was gonna be um. I really thought that game was going to be Sunday at like four o'clock with like Fox, you know, like yeah. usually they have that window, mm-hmm. but I guess not. Yeah. Oh, wait, Baltimore, Cincy. They, they must believe that Lamar's, they must believe in my opinion of the two quarter of the two quarterbacks health of the Ravens and the Dolphins that Lamar is going to play and Tua is not. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. I mean, I'm not. I'm not upset with it at all. I'm fine with a one o'clock game. It's not not a bad thing at all. So, I don't know. But enough with that game. Enough with Super Wild Card Weekend. We have another episode coming at you this week for that. Um, we're gonna recap the the Bills turning on the Jets in the in the the Patriots game. All of a sudden, Josh Allen going back to slinging it, you know, sixty yards in the air like like nothing. Like at first in the beginning of this game, first off to start it off. Um, Naheem Hines just got to give a round of applause to him. All right, two a special teams uh, player of the week. Yeah, I don't see officially. how you couldn't give it to him. There were four kickoff returns going into the game, the whole entire season, by every team. He's he had two, so now there's six, and he's got two of them, which is absolutely insane. So I, mean, I, I, d- I doubt he makes an All Pro team on a returner, but he definitely won himself some votes with that performance. Yeah, no, absolutely, and then just. You know, starting it off right away like that for Demar Hamlin was absolutely insane. Every, Josh Allen couldn't believe it. You see him every time it happened; he's like this on the sideline, going crazy. So mm-hmm. it was just it was. We haven't seen anything like that. I think the last one I remember seeing from the Bills is probably not. It's probably not the last one that happened. Just the one I that sits in my mind. C.J. Spiller did it one time, <clears throat> way back. So that was that was awesome to see, and then. um I mean, before I, I don't want to get into any negatives yet because I have a couple negatives I want to say. But is there anything anything outstanding to you that you wanna you wanna? I, I mean, the most notable kickoff return touchdown I can remember was Isaiah McKenzie having a kickoff return touchdown that Monday night against Tennessee last not yeah last year yeah uh, when they were losing with like three minutes to go and then they got called back because of the obvious holding penalty. But that's the only one I. <laughs> <laughs> that was after he was fumbling them in the beginning of the season too. Yeah, I I think it's an interesting game from the perspective of it felt like all three um of you know the sides of the football, be offense, defense, special teams had like really good moments and then that so, some of them had very poor moments. Like special teams right. like you get two kickoff return touchdowns. You do a very good job stopping Marcus Jones. I know they had the one um, pretty nice return after the second touchdown getting to the 40-yard line, but uh, even in punt return, I thought they did a pretty good job as well. Uh, Cam Lewis had a pretty nice stick. Like, I-, I think they did a good job, and then you get the Taiwan Jones just, I don't know. Like I, yeah. I don't know what he was doing. So then it's like, and then obviously Bass makes all his kicks, but it's like at that point it was like, do you get an A plus? Probably not, because you. I mean, you, I mean, you really like that game was over. Twelve point game, eight minutes to go. That that game was over, and you just gave them gave them pretty decent field position. Obviously, they didn't take advantage of it. Defense, yeah. 
It was like a, it was like your bend but don't break kind of game. Like they're very good. I thought they were solid against the run. Obviously, Patriots are a very good physical team, but Matt yeah. kind of tore them apart. And it was really off play action, which the Bills haven't struggled against all year. So that was kind of, like if you look at his splits, like he was very like he was like nine out of ten against play action, and everything else he was kind of like mediocre. Yeah. So I mean, listen, they they got three interceptions. Trey makes a really nice play in the I guess they're at like the twenty and a half yard line, so it's not a red zone interception, but we'll call it we'll call it a red zone. I don't I mean, even right think there. The, I don't even know if the Milano one counts. I don't think the Milano one counts, but they were. Dude, the I line. wanted him to pick six that so bad. I thought he was, he was running back. Well, he, he was try- I he, wanted him to return it for a touchdown. Listen, he was ter- trying to pull a Taron Johnson. Though. <laughs> well, I yell it. No, I'm going to go score a touchdown. Then obviously Tremaine. I mean, that's kind of like a little bit on Mac for making a bad throw, but good pressure uh, from the Bills. But I thought Groot had a good game. I thought overall the defense played well enough. I just think there was a couple drives where – Mac, Mac Jones him up. My Mac come up a little bit. I thought Trey had his best game in a while. I thought Elam. I don't think Elam was particularly bad, but the touchdown was a bad. Was it was like it was a good rep that turned bad because he pulled a Dean Jackson and couldn't play the ball in the air. Yeah, um, yeah, he was playing the the receiver. So Taron probably had the best game in the defense. I thought Greek played pretty well. I think everyone else on the. Uh, D line, other than maybe him and Daquan, needed to step up a little bit more. I thought I thought those guys were a little quiet. You know, we didn't hear a lot of AJ Boogie, Shaq, and yeah. Oliver. Like it was a pretty quiet day for the rest of the line, and that's why I think, you know, part of the reason why Mac was able to slice and dice a little bit. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see about that. And then offensively, it was a solid. Like I thought, Cook ran the ball well. I thought Singletary ran the ball well. Obviously, Singletary, you know, has one of the higher fumble percentages in the league and of course he fumbles at just like the worst spot it's funny the the first play after the pick he ran he like booted the ball and he had the the ball on his wrong arm like if you're running to your left you want to have the ball in your in your left hand to protect the ball and he's having his right i was like oh man i thought he was gonna fumble and then of course he fumbles the next snap but yeah uh, it was nice to see them trust cook shakir made a nice catch digs is digs yeah would have liked to see a little bit more knocks obviously he catches the touchdown that was nice. And then yeah. Davis, just Davis McKenzie, just, just not efficient enough. And then Dropping nice, play by, nice play by John Brown. I thought Allen, I thought Allen played pretty well in the first half. Obviously, the interception really taints that, which is unfortunate. Should have just threw it away. I mean, I feel like if he had a half more second, he probably throws a touchdown to Gabe Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also had a, you know, he also had James Cook underneath where he may have been able to catch and run for the first down and wouldn't have scored. So maybe a little greedy there, but. He was, yeah. I mean, he was, he was amazing in the second half. Like, no, he was, he, he turned was it on. Mm-hmm. It was, it was unreal to watch. I mean, that's like Tony Romo. I haven't heard him go crazy over a call like that. When he, when Allen threw it to Diggs for that touchdown, like I've, I've not heard that. He was 62 yards time. in the air. Yeah, absolutely unreal. So that elbow injury seems to be doing all right at this point, you know? So I don't know. One thing that really stood out to me was um, I had to grab a, a, you know, a slice of Swiss cheese at one point because that's what our offensive line was. I mean, there was pressure mm-hmm. getting to Allen that entire game, and that's just kind of, you know, I, I would say a bro moment, you know, because it's like you're thinking about it. You have a quarterback who, yeah, can run. He's mobile. He'll scramble out of the pocket, roll out, and make a play. But at the same time, he, he he's only got a couple seconds in the pocket, you know. So it's like it's it's just tough, I feel like. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting from the perspective of it feels like the offensive line has started to get the ground game going. 
mm-hmm. especially with the running backs. You know, the first half of the year, they were 29th in you know EPA uh, per play when the running on running plays from the running backs, and then the second half of the year they're 12. So I mean, they go from a below, actually probably a bad rushing offense if you're running backs to now. Know, it's silly above average, I think is a huge win. And it's a credit to Ken. I mean, Ken Dorsey gets a lot of criticism, but credit to him yeah. and Aaron Kramer figure that out. But at the same time, it's definitely just going to be one of those playoffs where I mean, you just can't trust the offensive line and pass, bro. No. And, um, you know, other than really Dion, I mean, Mitch is all right, but like the other three spots, Spencer Brown, are below average. So mm-hmm. it just, it's definitely a concern going in, um, especially when. You know, we talk about this in the NFL, like, most teams have a stud. You know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I guess the Bears don't. Like, we played them. They don't have a stud. But, like, the offense have Christian Wilkins. Zach Zeller is a good player. I don't know if Bradley Chubb's going to play, but he's, you know, well, I think he's overpaid solid. Jalen Phillips is a good player. Like, they have a good front. If we go to play Cincinnati, I, I guess, I don't know if I should say again because technically didn't count. But, you know, Hendrickson's a good player. DJ Rear's a good player in the middle. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs have Chris Jones. Right. NFC, you're probably going to have to play a team. You know, the, the the Eels had four players with 10 sacks. The Niners with Nick Bosa. You know, like, every every team has a dude and then has, like, a complement of dudes after that. So, it's not just one guy. So, yeah, it's, def- it's definitely a concern because you felt, you felt it a lot in the first half, really, of they got stopped because Allen, Allen got sacked twice on third down. And he was just kind of running for his life a little bit there. And the interception, of course, comes because of pressure from Judon. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, I mean, Dion holds his own most of the time. I would say probably 85% of the time, 90% of the time, you're good on the left side. It's when you get to those three right side positions, like the center to the right, where you start having them popping through and all of that stuff, you know, and that's that's where it's worrisome. Like you said, I mean, we're inevitably, if we, if we pass through the playoffs, we're going to play Kansas city again, if they pass through, right? Like that's like that's Superman meeting Lex Luthor. That's Batman meeting, you know, the Joker like that, like that's just going to happen, right? Like it's inevitable at this point. And for the next, probably the next, you know, in within the next decade, that's going to stay the same. Right. And the Bengals are up there too inevitable matching up with them in the playoffs and the chargers yeah. are on their way there too the afc is getting crazy and they all i mean Mahomes is Mahomes is the oldest quarterback in the afc yeah so which is, which is nice to think and those teams are just gonna you know those teams are just gonna get better I yeah mean, i guess i guess i guess the good note for the bills is like this offseason is gonna be tough because they're gonna lose some talent because alan's contract essentially kicks in yeah Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are up for their and I, I, and that you know same sentence Tua as well are up for a big contract extension. So when we're gonna see how that impact happens on on those three teams. Also, Lamar still hasn't gotten paid. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows if it's gonna be in Baltimore? Hopefully, if it's not in Baltimore, to some team in the NFC. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 definitely a concern. But mm-hmm. it's always interesting because Allen does such a good job, you know, being able to scramble to get yards or to be able to, you know, find John Brown for a 50-yard touchdown. Dude, it was running. good to see that. It was really good to see he's that. Done that. <laughs> he's done that, I want to say, three times in the year. I mean, he did it week one against the Rams. He did it against He did it against the Patriots earlier in the year 
but it got mm-hmm. called back because when I believe it was Uche or Judon did the same play that Uche did when he ran past him on the play, but Tommy Sweeney held him. Oh, you know I mean? yeah. And then yeah. He threw it to Diggs for a touch. I mean, that was a sick touchdown, too. But, and obviously, that went from John Brown. So it, it definitely is going to be interesting to me, like who who's active uh, in the wide receivers, because you have both. Now, now in the playoffs, it's unlimited call up. So Brown yeah. and Beasley could both get called up, or you could pick up one, you could pick up none. I mean, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, we're not gonna go into spoilers on that because we have a, like I said, another fun, fun-filled episode coming at you. I, I'm just saying, like John Brown definitely like threw his hand in the ring. Like if he had another he like zero catch, zero get, you know yards kind of game, would been like he only played seven snaps too. But it's also like at that point, like mm, I mean, do you even have it like? No. A case to make but I mean. it's it's tough because right you could say davis was you know in that spot and whatnot right and you don't want to take him out of that spot necessarily because he does have these one-off games like four touchdowns in a playoff game right like like you like we were talking before you know and it's just it's tough because you expect that to be coming at some point right but it just has not he's been dropping passes left and right He's been a little bit subpar. Then you have John Brown running down there, making an excellent diving catch into the end zone. And it's just like, what's this guy doing? I mean, I saw yesterday, I was watching One Bills Live. I like to tune into that on the weekdays, you know, or weekends, one, one, to, one to three with Tasker. And he said, him and Chris Brown were talking about how it should be four wide receivers and James Cook in the backfield. Diggs and Beasley in the slot and Davis and Brown on the outside. And then Knox as well out there. And that would be interesting because Diggs's route running ability could. That wouldn't work. You don't think so? No, you'd have 12 guys on the field. Well, maybe. If you had four wide receivers at 10, that's five. Five offensive linemen's 10. Running backs 11 and quarterbacks 12. Oh, maybe Sands the tight end. Maybe Sands the tight yeah, end. Yeah, it would. Oh. It would cause it's, it's, that's 10 personnel. Yeah, take say. take the tight end out of that equation, and I I don't mind that. What do you, what do you think about Diggs being in the slot like that? I feel like that's kind of. I think they utilize Diggs very well this year, moving around, especially putting him in the slot. Um, I think Davis needs to be utilized, kind of that same aspect of get him some slot touches as well. Not slot touches, but slot snaps. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that's been a struggle for him. I mean, honestly, guy, like it's. It's been pretty mediocre after the after that first half against the Chiefs, where he caught that touchdown on that drive, uh, that ninety-eight yard drive. Like after that, it's been really pretty poor. I mean, another listen is some of it on Josh. Sure, I'm not I'm not gonna come up here and blame everything on Davis. Like technically, Davis gets credited for being targeted on the interception, but that wasn't Gabe Davis's fault. He also mm-hmm. missed Gabe Davis for a touchdown on the post. I mean, would it have been a difficult throw, yes, but have we seen Josh make those kind of throws? Yeah, so he airmailed them. A couple mm-hmm. of them, I'm not – sometimes you have to, like, look at all the targets to see if, like, they're accurate. Like, he had 10 targets, but two of them I you could easily just throw out right there. But, like, the other ones, I mean, he, he went three of eight. And, you know, yeah, does he run a slant that he caught a little bit behind him, but should he have caught it? Yeah. Does he have another – actually, three of seven because he had another play where Josh – I think it was a run play, and Josh thought he could throw it to, you know, I don't know if you saw it. Like, he threw it behind him. Yeah. That doesn't count either because that was a bad play. But Right. If you look at everything else, though, like, he has a catch on the sidelines that, you know, his first – other it's not like in Chicago where his first foot was, like, just completely out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Like, his first foot was in bounds, and he doesn't 
you know, have the it doesn't drag the second foot. The, you mm-hmm. know, the, the field awareness to yeah, the field awareness to drag the second foot. We saw Diggs do pretty much the exact same play. Uh, and he had a couple drops. I mean, he dropped. Listen, he dropped a touchdown. I'm, I'm I, I, <laughs> I give him like it wasn't the easiest catch. You know, catching a 40 yard pass of a dude draped on your back. Like it was good coverage, but you know, originally I was like, oh man, the dude must have batted away, but he doesn't touch it. It just mm-hmm. hit him straight in the arm. I mean, you just gotta catch that one, but I, I think that's kind of been the struggle and frustration this year. Of you know, Josh is only completing fifty-one percent of the passes when he throws them, and again, not all of it's on Davis. Yeah, some of it's on Josh, but not forty-nine percent. You know, he drops twelve percent, and the other yeah. stuff you feel like maybe he can make a better effort on. Right. But, um, you know, playoff game, man. Like he, he, I don't know what to say. Like I feel like he always kind of shows up. Um, in in the big moments, you know, the Colts game uh, a couple of years ago with all, you know those the, that one drive of back to back to drag. I mean, he showed he could do it. So, uh, and then you know the Patriots game caught a touchdown. Obviously, the Chiefs game. So mm-hmm. he he's still an important member of the team just because of his ability to stretch the field vertically, which this team really doesn't have consistently of like yeah. consistent players who could do that. Because Diggs is more underneath. I mean, Diggs can do it, but why would you? make your number one wide receiver run 40-yard routes. Yeah, um, especially when and, you can route run the way he can. And he's the best run blocking wide receiver on the squad. So it's it's why people always wonder why he gets more snaps than digs. That's why. It's because when they do like the heavy personnel, he's out there as the run blocking wide receiver. So, Yeah. Yeah, you got a point there. I didn't even realize that until you just said that. So I don't know. But do we want to – I think we, we head into some Sabres talk now. You know, unless you want to grab anything else before we do our second episode. Um, well, I'll say this: Josh ends up with thirty-five touchdowns, fourteen interceptions. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good. That's two and a half picks. Two, two and a half. Two and a half picks. Two and a half touchdowns to picks. Mm-hmm. I know he only played. Honestly, he played sixteen games, so it's kind of interesting to see how his stats line with twenty twenty, um, a little bit, but. End up the rating ninety six point six pretty good. I think that was like ninth in the league, tenth in the league. Yeah, and rating ratings always like unfavorable to dudes that like are complete gunslingers like Josh is and not the most accurate quarterback. So mm-hmm. all in all, I think it was a good season. I think it was better than twenty one. Um, no, I, I think so too. I, at this point, going into the playoffs, weren't we? What was our record? I'm trying to 11 think. And six. Eleven and six. Yeah. yeah. This I didn't realize that they went eleven and six last year, but they had a higher point differential than this year when they went thirteen and three. Yeah, it's because every game they won, they blew yeah, but, them out. But, yeah, but, but, but yeah, I think of this, Joe. Like we lost three games this year by eight points. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, like, and they lost six games. Yeah, five, I think five of them were particularly close. But the six, like, they lost the Colts by like twenty six points, and they yeah. still had like, uh, pretty. I think it was pretty like twenty points more. Like, they outscored. It's just kind of. I mean, their schedule was a lot weaker last year. Those two, so. Mm-hmm. We actually hit what was our rank schedule going into the season? Like fifth, second hardest, I want to say. So it's not like that. It was a lot harder just because the the NFC North, which was a pretty strong division this year, um, the North is a strong division. Um, and then what they? I mean, the Rams were supposed to be a good team, but I mean they got them when they were healthy, so it wasn't like that no. Was, they, the Titans yeah. also got them when they were healthy too, so. Um, they didn't really get the the luck of playing them at the end of the year, and then obviously they play the Chiefs, um, as other AFC West team. So, yeah, no, it, 
all in all, it's a it's an incredibly positive year so far. Obviously, we'll see uh, uh, if it ends as a good season or not. Mm-hmm. I feel like in my mind, this has become kind of the season has become kind of Super Bowl or bust. Um, I don't know if you share the same kind of sentiment. A little bit. Um, from the perspective of you're not going to be any, I. Mm. You this present team is going to be the most talented team for a little bit. Like this is like because you're gonna lose talent that you can't replace. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the last couple of years, oh you you lose Jerry Hughes, you lose Mario Addison, but then you replace him with Von Miller. You know? Right. I guess like the only thing you could say of oh they lost like Cole Beasley and they couldn't replace him. They tried with Isaiah McKenzie. Like that's the only real failure. But and you look at like the running backs. Are the best in the Allen McDermott era. I mean, the tight end is the best in the Allen McDermott era and Knox. Mm-hmm. You still have Diggs. The offensive line is just mediocre, but it's never been that good in the McDermott. Era. And this is this is not their best defense. I'll say this: this is not the best not defense at all. in the McDermott era. But it's still. I mean, I think Tremaine's playing at his highest level. Mm-hmm. Still a Groot. dominant defense either way. I, mean, I think you can make the case that Groot. Even without Vaughn is, is the best played like the best edge rusher in the McDermott Allen era. No offense to Jerry Hughes, he was great, but he was also older. He was there for a lot, you know. He, he was he's been there. Jerry for a Hughes long time. was always underrated because he was very good against the running for his size, and he created a lot of pressure. But he just couldn't he couldn't finish, unfortunately. But yeah, I, but. I this might be. I mean, there's there's certain aspects of this team that are the best in the McDermott era, and there's aspects of the team that will not that will not see the case mm-hmm. next year like Tremaine, i mean raekwon smith gets a five-year 100 million dollar contract extension from the ravens uh if i'm Tremaine Edmonds's agent i'm smacking that down on the table first thing we walk in and say match it or we're out, we're out. i mean i think he's gone fortunately you think somewhere else will pay him that oh yeah Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a two. Uh, I look at this perspective. He's fi- five years in the league. He's only like what twenty four, twenty five still. Yeah, like, if you give him a five year contract extension, he's going to be thirty by the end of it. Like you're you're buying his prime still. Um, I I, I think someone would pay him because he's played. I mean, he's a two time Pro Bowler, and I think this has been his best season. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I I would agree with that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this shakes out, especially the end of the season and the off season. We can get back into our, um or speculation pods, you know, when we started last year in the off season. So, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not ready for those yet, man. Come on. We got to get. No. Yeah, I know we got it. We got to get through it, but we'll, we'll be coming at you with another episode of betting on the bills, super wild card weekend this week with some more NFL talk. We'll talk about some bills, dolphins, and just go over the rest of the super wild card weekend slates and, you know, just talk more on future, all that kind of stuff. So if you're into that, take a listen, it'll be, it'll be good recording it right after this so without further ado we're going to move into the savers talk right after this but first i want to go into and tell you guys about the sportsman people together podcast you should listen for entrepreneurial conversations with those in sports who knows where the chats will take you but sports got us all here together in the first place find the show wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or simply visit sportseplus.com. and we are back with the buffalonian podcast so this is the first time in a while since i've brought us back in i think this is the first time in the <laughs> Online format. I don't know. I'm a little, a little rusty. So we are back with the Sabres talk. Uh, the Sabres had um, a very 
a great start to the week. Uh, an inspiring comeback win against the Wild and kind of a comeback, you know, a kind of an interesting there. Up one nothing, down 2-1, up 4-2, down 5-4, tie mm-hmm. it late, win it, and it's still absolutely One of the better overtime sessions, or just high event hockey I, I have seen in a while. It wasn't one of those where, you know, you always see in kind of three and three hockey where people just try and like make possession, you know, they keep skating out of the zone. This was not that. This is people trying to make plays and end the game. And then just, just extreme disappointment uh, the last two nights of uh, just getting shellacked by a pretty, uh, not pretty, a bad Flyers team. This yeah. Get completely outworked, which is an unacceptable loss. But at the, at the end of the day, it's a young team. So I don't think that was reasons of concern. And then yesterday, like, we were there yesterday. We were live. We were in audience. I, I, I would I would hesitate to say that they were the better team, but I think they had a much better effort and a much better game than than against the Flyers. And I feel like at the end of the day, they had opportunities where if they would have cashed in, I would have felt pretty good about them winning. Obviously, they fall by a goal. They listen. The game held. The the I would say the Sabers were the better team through two periods. And then the third period, I think the Kraken were a significantly better team. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what the third period's been doing. Like they I, were. I, I, I guess that's where you get a back to back. But I'm pretty sure the Kraken also might have been on the back to back as well. So I don't want to use that as an excuse as well. But right. No, I mean in the beginning of the season, I remember how we were talking about how locked down the third period Sabers were. Right. I mean they were they were outstanding. They were shutting them down in the third period, holding their leads. The past few months have not have not, since that November collapse have not been the same. Um. And it's just, I don't know. It's a little disappointing because you go in there and it, what was it? It was 2-2 or was mm-hmm. it 2-1, 2-2? Easily, w- easily winnable. And they score a goal. You're like, okay, 3-2, you can come back from this, right? Then it's 4-2. And then now you're resulting to, they're playing cat and mouse with you the entire time, running clock. And you have to pull the goalie and risk that. And granted, Comrie, it's like he wasn't even in that half the time, right? I mean, like, let's just be honest. And... It's just I don't know. I, I think you were missing a perform the performances that UPL had been putting on prior to this game. In this game, you know what I mean. And yeah, and I don't know. We were talking about it last night. How you know the goaltending has been reawakened as as an issue with Comrie coming back, and you're trusting a 41 year old to step in and rotate in and out. You know what I mean. And it's just I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just it's it's interesting because a lot of things have changed. And some for the better, like the Sabres won those games against the Bruins, right? Those big games. But you need to win those games and also beat teams like this who are arguably in the same position you are, getting a wild card spot and going into the playoffs. You know what I mean? More of a fringe team. Would you say the Kraken are a fringe, uh, fringe-ish team I, right now? They're, they're actually a pretty good team, actually, surprisingly. I'm oh, yeah. Being their second year. I would say the, the Flyers are a bad team. I think it's been frustrating because th- throughout the season, they have left some points on the board against some pretty bad teams. Like, they lost uh, home to Arizona. They lose this game. Mm-hmm. They get swept by Seattle, which is a team that I don't think has significantly better talent than you. So, mm-hmm. it's definitely it's definitely a frustrating couple nights because it's not like you played the Bruins and the ta- and the Lightning back-to-back. Like, you had four points and you want you didn't get a single point against teams that like you you're you're way better than the Flyers and you're at least like comparable to the Kraken and you're at home. So it it it's definitely um not the best results in the world. I think Granada made the right decision scratching Quinn Paterka and putting 
you know, Aspen has chosen, you know, I said this, I think even last pod that it's been like a month since really either of those two have played. And mm-hmm. I thought both those two had moments where they sparked the team. I mean, Aspen made a really nice pass to Nostroza for that breakaway, which yeah. led to the penalty, which then led, led to the Dalene goal. So, um, yeah, that both I think, you know, when you have a young team, this is where I, I again, the point of they're going to be able to, I think, be in a position to play meaningful games in March. I know that's a Jason Bobberlism. But I don't. I'm not even trying to be like sound like super negative or cynical. But the reason why I don't think it's time for people to hundred percent consider playoffs yet is we don't. They don't get consistent enough goaltending. I know UPL's on a hot stretch, but sometimes he goes cold, even himself. Right. Yeah. Their back half of their defense after their top three and Yogi Kari was actually been pretty good. I thought he actually played pretty well last night in return. Um. Those two, the the bottom pair has been a problem all year. I know Clegg's played pretty well, but he was brutal last night. Labushkin just, he sucks. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Like, that's a strong word, but he takes terrible penalties. He gets beat every time. He can't make a simple outlet pass out of his own zone. So that's always been a problem. And this, when you get, have, when you're relying on very young players, forwards to produce in their rookie seasons, they go cold. And, yeah. and Turka and Quinn have both gone cold, like ice cold. Like the last nine games, I think they combined. I don't know if they even combined for a goal. They might combine oh. for one goal. The Lost Boys line has been lost. I mean, let's just be honest with you. Yeah. Like, it, it's gone. Like, so, I don't know. I mean, you got to get their confidence back. I like that they scratched them. Just give them like, hey, take a second. Take a couple days. Look from a different perspective of a spectator. That kind of thing. But I, I, I think that's where... This team, uh, honestly, Anstros and Aspen are very good 13th and 14th forwards. Like, it's good to have those, you have those two kind of players, quality of players to kind of step into your lineup. Um, But they're not Quinn Paterka when they're playing like Quinn Paterka. So I, I think that's been a little frustrating, you know, from a fan perspective of this team just is, it, it, it is playing very hard and you want to like, I, I do think they should make some kind of move to, you know, reward them, but it's just hard when they're, it just seems everything points to them being kind of a year away. Yeah. Unfortunately, I would, I would have to agree with you on that. It's just, it's tough because, you know, you get excited, you see they have a chance for a wild card spot. Right. And while they still do have that chance, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of things just have to be, going right and I don't, I don't think they're going to i think they're going to falter like you said young team not going to stay constant the whole time you know what i mean like certain pieces are you always know that first line is going to go out there and be dominant i mean last night tuck and tage you know two goals yeah yeah i mean it comes down to the fact of if someone could say lucan's going to stay hot the rest of the year and quinn and paterka don't find themselves soon mm-hmm. they have a chance but right i mean i just think there's too many like too many question marks are going to happen. But at the end of the day, like, they they figured out, you know, we, we said going into the year, this is a year where they had to find a lot of answers to questions. And I feel like they've done that um, so far, I mean, about halfway through the season. So we're going to see if there's, a, you know, anything left to do. But listen, there's still half a season left. And they still, I'm not saying, you know, they have a 0% chance of making the playoffs. But I would say 
if I was giving them the right odds, I'd say probably like 30%. And that's not bad. Like, I think that's like the ninth or 10th best odds. Did you expect them to even be in a playoff position in the beginning of the season? Not really. I expected them to be able to, I, mean, I, I said 84 points in the beginning of the year. And then when they started to play well, I said 90. So I feel like if they get to 90 points, I think it's a successful season. Too. 85 to 90 points. If they get to that that window, I think it's a successful season. I know people are going to complain about them not getting playoffs, but I mean, we didn't expect that going into the season anyway. I mean, we but just, just think, but just think like next year, like you get another year of Owen Power, mm-hmm. who's uh, an off an off season too for Owen Power of knowing what I have to do to get better at the NHL level, right? I with more that, than an eight game sample size, more than an eight game sample size. Quinn and Paterka get another year. Krebs gets another year. Cousins, Darlene, even Tage, Tuck. I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna say Skinner because Skinner's already in his early 30s so maybe another year won't, won't you know another year on the body but and hopefully you know you get this goaltending situation figured out because i i don't know really what the you know i think it's questionable what the short-term fixes of i mean it looks like they're gonna roll up three goalies so who are you gonna send down now i mean they already sent down for Gerald for yoki haru mm-hmm. they're probably gonna send down one of the finest Joe's or Aspen. I would assume Hinestroza just because he's more expensive and he probably wouldn't get claimed. Yeah. But and then you know next year is also like short term. Like Anderson's probably gone, but are you okay rolling with UPL or Comrie or do you have to add another guy? And long term, when does Levi you know get his chance? So the the goaltending position is just such a question mark for the Sabres. Yeah. Just in and general. It's, it's really their own fault for mm-hmm. going so cheap. And I mean, we'll see. I mean, listen, the Flyers game, okay. Like, I think Anderson needed to start that game. UPL was playing a lot. Like, it's not, I'm not, it, you know, Anderson was not playing bad. I don't think he played particularly bad against the Flyers either. He just kind of got hung out to dry a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Comrie did not play well last night. But at the same time, it's like you're not going to play Anderson in the back to back, and UPL is sick. So, like, he was your only option. To yeah. Be, I mean, you're not going to call up, like, Subban from Rochester to play. So, no, let's not do he that. He didn't play well at the end of the day. Like, the first goal was a weak goal. I know it was a deflection, but you saw it all the way through. You got to make that say. The fourth goal, while it was not good defensive coverage at all to give up a slot shot, was not a great shot. Like, it was savable. Needed to make that save. Kind of floated in there. Like, and then the Brunier's <laughs> goal. Where he kind of flubbers and that gotta be said. The second one, I'll give him like no way he's anyone's making that save. No, because Yelbushkin and Clegg just screwed the pooch defensively on that one. But you know, to have 18 saves on 22 shots just isn't good enough. Um, so it, it, it's not. frustrating coming from you know that perspective of having hot goaltending, and now it seems like we're back to having below average goaltending, and you see what it does right. to your team. You know, one team last night got the big save. Like Grubauer was had some huge saves in that game. Yeah, he was and solid in his goal. The, the other and Comrie on the other side didn't, so that's frustrating. Um, I do like that Granado scratched uh, Bryson over Clegg when Yogi Hardy returned. I think that's at least a bright spot that he knows Bryson's played like terrible and Clegg's played a lot better. I know Clegg didn't play his greatest last night, and I think there's some concern for me that. That it's power carrying him maybe a little bit. Um, 
I don't know what the Sabres are going to do right now. I mean, we're talking about short-term, long-term fixes for defense, but I mean, hopefully, I mean, I think this just shows that like Ryan Johnson, man, you have a spot on the team if you want it. Like, yeah, it, it, it's frustrating. It's, it's, you don't really know what to do because you don't like Dalian and Samson are a really good top pair, but it's a time to split them up and be like, we need, you know, Samuelson, Darlene, and Power to be on three individual pairs, and we'll find a way to get, you know, Samuelson probably go down the third pair. Like, we'll find a way to get Samuelson more, more ice time. You know, if it's a close game in the third period, like he'll get more shifts and PK. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's time maybe that they had to start putting their three best defensemen with like three guys and get them to like carry their carry them a little bit. But yeah, no, I I would definitely agree with that. I mean. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because at the end of the day, like we always say, they're a young team. They're getting like they're putting it together, trying to figure it all out. The goaltending is definitely where they're struggling the most, and that's pretty evident. I mean, you have, like you said, UPL putting on these big games, but he does go very cold, extremely cold. Like he freezes all of a sudden and then has an awful game. Yeah, know, he had a so. couple of bad games. I mean, it's the reason why I think in the podcast in the beginning, I made the point that he's not the guy. I think because yeah. he had like three straight games where he was, I think he had a couple of games where he was like in like the low 80s for save percentage which is terrible so yeah i call him a man made of glass because it's just injury prone you know what i mean like it's just what i like to say he saved his career yeah sure but he's got to show some more of it if he wants to really yeah show bigger samples exactly yeah so it was also nice to see that they waived casey fitzgerald Mm -hmm. um from perspective also of again with the scratching of bryson like those seem to be like granado's love interests in the bottom pair and he's got, them, he's got a few of those for them both not to be playing anymore. I think at least shows some growth. I mean, like I would, I don't even know, like with Bryson Labushkin, like who's worse. I mean, they're both terrible. So, um, at at, at the end of the day, like it, 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 the difference doesn't make that big of a difference. But listen, there's definitely spots in this team where I think just they're going to have a lot of growing pains, but. I find I find it to be that they have a core in place, and there are certain positions that they have to address. Like they don't have, there's just certain positions that address. I don't think they had to make they had to make maybe one more big move. To, they had to make one more core. I I, I just they have to add one more core addition to their core. That's not outside of the organization. Like not going to be your draft pick this year. Not going to be like not going to be anyone in the organization. Is going to be some guy playing on with a different sweater right now. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm 100% agree with that. I just think, you know, like you said, you're going to, you're going to use your botteralism. You're going to, you're going to mention, you know, playing, playing tough in March. You want to play competitively in March. And I think they did last year. That was one of the big standouts at the end of last well, season. They, I, I, they play competitively in March, but they were also not like, like okay. not in contention to be in the playoffs at no. all. So, yeah. so you don't want to see that. You want to see them in contention playing. Competitively. I want to see them be like six or eight points out with every game mattering. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they go on an eight game win streak to sneak into the wild card spot. You want to see that, that play yeah. out. Yeah. I think we all would. That would be kind of, that would be electric. Absolutely electric. I, I would love to see that happen, but yes, sir. All right. So prediction time. So I believe you printed them to go three and zero. That did not happen. And I printed them to go two and one. Michael printed them to go one one and one. So I guess he was he, he was the closest in that perspective. <laughs> yeah. Um. Man, definitely definitely tough winning the first game and then losing the last two. But 
So the goal leader this week was Dalian with three, and the point leader was also Dalian with seven. And so Mike had Skinner and Dalian. I had Tuck and Dalian, and you had Tuck and Skinner. So yep. So you guys not, hit fifty percent of the mark, and I hit nothing. Not, so. not not bad predictions. I mean, Tuck did have two goals, so I feel like I was pretty close um, to hitting on that. But uh, obviously, Dalian had a big five point night, and then had a multi point night again last night. So yeah, I mean. I think I'm going to keep mine the same. I think I think there's a reawakening. I think I think Tuck Tuck goes crazy. Well, all right. So there's a lot of games in between now. Um, in next, next they time, they didn't play for like half a week, and now they're going to play all these games. So um, definitely probably going to see a little bit more Aspen and Strosa. I think just from the perspective of there's going to be a lot of guys subbing in or out, and mm-hmm. you know, I really need UPL back, but we'll see. So they play tomorrow against the Jets at home. Then they go to Nashville uh, Saturday. Monday, they're home against Florida. I don't know what we're going to be doing our next pod, but they do play against the Blackhawks on in Chicago on Tuesday. So we're just going to say that counts as well. So we're going to say there's four games um, for the next pod. So out of the four games, what do you think their record's going to be? Uh, three and one. Hmm. I'm gonna say one, two, and one. One, two, and one. Oh, you think they're they're gonna lose? They're gonna go on a losing record? Yeah. Right. I, one, two, and one, or two and two. It's like it's like that aspect. I don't. I don't know. I I feel like the, the young team. They kind of lose. I mean, the eight game losing streak kind of just. If we're having to have be accurate here, they kind of like this. It, it kind of happened all of a sudden. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. like it wasn't like it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't there. They, they lost a couple, and then all of a sudden you're looking at it, it's like, oh my god, we lost six in a row. Oh my god! Now it's seven. Now it's it's kind of like it was a it was free falling. So, I think I think that's where I'm at. Uh, what is your goal in point prediction? Um, I'm gonna go talking Darlene this time around. I'm gonna. I, I mean, Darlene. I think mm-hmm. I honestly meeting Tuck's mom gives me some faith. You know, oh, t- last night I I got I gotta I gotta tell that story after we're done with predictions. I'll go into it, but that was. <laughs> Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta stick with it. I got it for, for uh, Mama Tuck. Got to go for it. I'm gonna go Tage. I'm gonna go Tage and Tage. I think I think Tage has didn't have like the worst week, but had a little bit of a quiet week. Only one goal. Yeah, I think I obviously had a nice assist last night to Tuck for the first goal. So I think he has a nice week. All right, and Mike is not here to give his predictions, but we'll get them for next week. And so, do you want to do a quick story time? Yeah, story story time. Start your little your uh, your little fire uh, by the Christmas tree here, or if you haven't taken them down yet. But Dom and I were walking downstairs to go. I was going to see a couple of my other buddies, and he had my tickets on the phone to get up back to the the two hundred. So I wouldn't have been able to get back without him. So he had to come with me, and in the stairwell. We were going to take the normal way, but we didn't. We went we went a different way. We went down one of the, what would you say, like just the stairwells, not the actual like, yeah. stairs, like yeah, down one of the, the lobby. Exits, yeah. yeah, so we went down one of the exit stairwells. And behind me, I'm wearing my new tuck jersey I got for Christmas, right? I'd show it if it were closer to me, but it, it is not. Um, and I hear, go go tuck from behind me. I'm like, yeah, like, let's go. Let's go. So, you know. I'm, I'm Tuck's my guy. I honestly like going. He's my he's my one of my top players on the inspiration. Team, not, yeah, yeah, he is. You know the hair, the mustache, everything about it. You know, but yeah, uh, to copy his look. Yeah. So I 
start she starts talking right and dom dom's ahead a little bit he's not back with me talking to her he's he's, he's a couple steps ahead right and then all of a sudden I said, I'd like to see one more from him before the game's over, right? Which ended up happening. So I just want to say I did call that. But <laughs> he's like, she's like, how about two? How about we make it a hat trick? I said, that'd be even better. That's fantastic. And then she's like, I'm his mom. I said, floored. I was floored. She looked like him too. It was like right after, right after she said that, it all like clicked in my head. I'm like, oh my God. Like, but that just shows you the danger. Like, what if we were talking trash in the stairwell and she was right there? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, well, there, we wouldn't talk trash about Tuck. I, I would no. be concerned if Middlestad. What if that was Middlestad's mom or something? Mommy Middlestad. What if that was Mommy Middlestad behind us? And I was on one of my rants about Middlestad in the stairwell. But yeah, meeting Tuck's mom should have gotten the jersey signed. What an absolute win that would have been. But no. Tuck, Tuck's mom signed the Tuck jersey. That'd be crazy. But no, it was. I got. I got to pick Tuck for the goal leader this week. After just just after that alone. So. That heartwarming story. Yeah, it's a nice little story time for all the listeners out there. You know, once in a lifetime, once in a lifetime story. Unless you're sitting in the 200s at a Sabres game, you'll probably bump into her also. So, yeah. But without further ado, I think that does that close out our Sabres topic? Anything else? No. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move into the would you rather. And I, I'm going to I'm going to do it this week. So just a little bit of football defense question. All right. Not question. Statement, if you will. It is a question. This is a question. Would you rather have a team that never gave up a 15 plus yard play or a team that stopped 65% of third and fourth downs? So either no big plays, you hold opposing teams in no big plays, or you hold them and don't let them convert. On just third down, or is it just both? Third and fourth. It the, it says both. We can make it one if that if that makes it easier. I just feel like it would be easier if it was just like third. We'll do just third down. Thirty five percent. That would have been good for fifth in the league. Hmm. Sixty five percent. Like you're shut down. No, that's what I, 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 yeah fifth. In the oh league. oh yeah because. Uh, the Giants are fifth with like thirty five point twelve percent, which is sixty five percent. Gotcha. Uh, it's like the opposite. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, yeah. No, I got you. You said thirty five. It's it threw yeah. me off. Yeah, that's a, that's what I meant by that. But no, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, either way, you're a dominant defense. But it's either you're. I would do. The, or... I would do getting off the field. Um, you do third downs. Yeah, I think I would trust myself to scheme up enough where I don't get killed. Uh you know, kind of like the bend but don't break. I think that mm-hmm. would help a lot. And then it also helped me a lot if I'm a top five, like getting off the field, like getting my, the ball back to my offense. Yeah. So, you know, especially if if I don't, if I'm not able to get 15 yard pass plays, but I'm not good in third down, then those are long drives at that point. You know what I mean? Those, I don't give up chunk plays. I'm just going to have a bunch of stuff. I'm just getting paper cut over and over all game. Soon you start playing out. So I, I, I would, uh, I, I would take the third downs. All right. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I want to get my team, my defense off the field. So I would definitely take the third down while stopping 15 plus yard plays would be nice. Um, If you could hold them to a third down and pretty much stop them like that still, you know, I'd take. I guess the only reassuring thing I take in the 15 one is that on third and 17, you know, you're getting off the field most likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't get a play over 15 yards. So, yeah, I saw that. I thought that was intriguing because just defensively. 
and you see some defenses that are kind of like that. Like they're kind of one or the other. You know what I mean? They're shut down, but third and short, third and two, they they let them convert quite a bit. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I'd rather get off the field. 100%. For reference, the, the Bills were seventh in the league on third down defensively. What percentage were they at? Mm-hmm. So pretty good threat of it. You know, five out of eight. Yeah. They had stop. Yeah. All right. So no Mike. So I'm on trivia duty again. Let me find my questions. I would probably be pulling. I'm definitely pulling a mic here. All right. I see three questions, one Bills, one Sabres, one random. You ready? Hit me. I'm ready as I'll ever be. All right. The Bills. The Bills are meeting the Dolphins for the fifth time in the playoffs. When did they first meet? Um, 19... Is it in the seventies? No, no. We're talking like all the way back, like AFL. No, I give. I'll give you those two wins. It's not, it's not late back. It's not late back. First time they met in the playoffs was what season? I kind of eighty nine. No, you're really close though. What was it? Nine. The so I don't know whether to say nineteen ninety one because that's technically when they met in January ninety one, but it's the nineteen ninety. I would have given you that if you said nineteen ninety. I would have given you as well. Ninety season. It's technically the nineteen ninety season. So it was the first Super Bowl year. Uh, they played in the divisional round. The Bills were the one seed. The Dolphins were the four seed. Uh, it was snowing, and the Bills won forty four thirty four. There you well, go for that one. Yeah, at least I was close. At least I was hovering in the ballpark. Hit me with the I mean, second you're, one. Yeah, you're, I mean you're you're off, so <laughs> uh, I think you were in. I think you're like one foot in the ballpark. But yeah, uh, the Sabers, Rasmus Dahlin had a five point game career high for him. When was the last time a Sabers defenseman had five points in the game? Two thousand three. No, give me one more guess. It's, Am I far cool. off? It's, uh, yeah. I, well, you're ten plus years off. It's in the opposite direction. Which opposite is the question? Let's think. Like, like. Oh, I was doing back. back. Yeah, further back. <laughs> Sorry. But, but, uh, I'd say 1990. Just go easy. Like shoot, shoot for there again. Shoot no. the 189, my guy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> of course. It was uh, Phil Housley. Um, oh okay. I don't know if you would have got that one. So I, I mean, I picked the year, but Phil Housley was one of the better offensive defensemen in Sabres history. So no, I wouldn't have gotten the name. I'm gonna be honest with you. So all right. Our random trivia question. Georgia destroyed TCU 65 to 7. One of the um, worst games. I I, tur- I stopped watching. It was 38 to 7. I can't believe it's funny watching uh football highlights and it was 24 7 of two minutes to go. And it's like it is 38 to 7 at halftime. Like they it's just it's just remarkable. It's just yeah. funny to me. So the random thing is Georgia won back to back national championships. Obviously, they won last year against Bama, this year against TCU. Who was the last team? I should, uh, yeah, actually, team. I was gonna say college, but last team to win back-to-back national championships. I'll give you a hint. Mm-hmm. The college football playoff has been, uh, you know, they changed the format in twenty fourteen. Was the first year there have been no back-to-back champions in this format, so it was later than that. Okay, it's not when though, right? It's what what team. You could do. I mean, I'm probably gonna ask, if you get the one right, I'm gonna ask you to another one. But okay, so when 14 years ago? No, you just just do the do the team, and then 
Okay. Just do like the university, and then we'll see if you can get the actual team right. Mm. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Was it? It wasn't Michigan, was it? No. No. Want a hint? Mm-hmm. They're in the same conference as Georgia. Doesn't help me much. I don't follow college football all that much. I just watch the playoff. <laughs> okay, I feel like it's pretty. If you watch the playoffs, you know a team that dominates. I don't know. I just kind of watch the tail end, man. Like the championship, but Alabama. Yes. Okay. Can you name when? I'll give you a hint. It, it's in the century. Two thousand four. Close. Well, kind of close. Alabama won back-to-back national championships in 2011 and 2012. Uh, they beat LSU in a like 21-0, and then they destroyed my Notre Dame Fighting Irish 42-14. to I see. There you go. All right. All right. There's some, yeah. college, there's some college, you know, college sports, college football, yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Buffalonian Podcast. I've been Joe Kelly, and I've been joined by Dom Loss. And, uh, Dom, how do you always end these, buddy? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills. <laughs> <laughs>